Just Greeks and Beats, episode 16, The Ancient Olympics. Χαιρετίσματα και καλώς ήρθατε στο καινούριο επεισόδιο του Just Greeks and Beats podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of Just Greeks and Beats, the podcast. And thank you for joining me on another journey. Oh, wow, guys, it's been a couple of weeks since I have had the opportunity to record an episode for you. And uh, what a couple of weeks it has been. So much has happened out there in the real world that, you know, it's just... It's been great to have a break. Um, after 15 episodes, you'd think, yeah, you know what? It's about time that we uh, have a bit of a um, midway season break, if we can call it that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, look, there's a lot of significant things that have happened in the last uh, week or two that has affected the Greek culture and the orthodox culture we'll get into that a little bit later um but also you know with all the unfortunate things happening around the world with coronavirus and COVID 19 and just the way that it's heading is you know i pray for all our uh, friends and family and loved ones in melbourne in sydney obviously in the rest of the world um but here in australia first and foremost Um, for all the affected people. Kuraio, pedia, metotheoti voithia, na natapa meola kala, and we will all get through this together. Today's episode is going to be um, just me, an exciting episode, because it's something that I love to talk about. It's one of my most favorite topics that I studied as I grew up. I did a lot of projects on this and every four years, it my, my love and my hype would really, really just pump up uh, because it's one of those events that just I look forward to at all times. I once had a dream of competing in them, but uh, that never eventuated. And now my dream is to one day see these in person. Yes, that's right, it's the Olympic Games. Obviously, this is an Olympic year, um, but we're not going to be seeing the Tokyo Olympics this year because they've been moved due to the coronavirus. So we'll see how we go uh, when they do happen. But um, I'm not talking about modern games today. I'm talking about the ancient Olympic games. The Greeks loved their sport and the Olympic games were the biggest sporting event in the ancient calendar. The Olympic Games began over 2,700 years ago in Olympia. Every four years, around 50,000 people came from all over the Greek world to watch and take part. The ancient games were also a religious festival. They were held in the honor of Zeus, the king of gods. Yes, no gold, no silver, no bronze medals were given at these games. The winners were given a wreath of leaves, olive leaves, and a hero's welcome back home. Athletes competed for the glory of their city 
and winners were seen as being touched by the gods. You can imagine now um, many of the times that uh, Hercules would have competed in these ancient games or Theseus or any of those uh, type of names, um, they'd probably win them because they were, according to legend, part god. Before the games began, messengers were sent out to announce a sacred truce or a peace. This meant that any wars around the country at the time should be called off so the people could travel safely to Olympia. Now guys, in the ancient world, each big city was a country in the country. So it was like a, they were at war with each other. The Greeks were at war with each other for strength, for, for glory. Um, so Athens and Sparta are some of the biggest wars in ancient times. That would all stop. And that was because the games were dedicated to Zeus. Visitors flocked from all over the country to see the temple of Zeus, which inside stood a huge gold and ivory statue of the king of gods himself. The main event at the Olympics was not a sporting event, but a sacrifice. On the third day of the games, a hundred ox were sacrificed and burnt on the altars of Zeus. This altar was made of the leftover ash from all the sacrificed oxen. By around 200 AD, the mound of ash stood at least six to seven meters high. Whew, that is a lot of ox. And mate, I'll tell you what, that was one massive barbecue at the end. I mean, you know, they'd sacrifice the ox, but surely, you know, they'd uh, cut their fussy yet as well, you know? Oh, geez, what a barbecue that would be. I hope they had the rigani. Um, let's get into a bit of the sports now. So, some of the first sports in the ancient Olympics was running, discus, javelin, um, you know, wrestling, boxing, and just breaking it down a little bit further. The running, you know, it was the first event that was held at the Olympic Games. Athletes ran up and down a 192 meter track in the stadium. Before each race, the competitors lined up along a stone starting block. If anyone tried to get a head start, they were disqualified and beaten to death for cheating. The toughest running race was called the Hoplidromos. Hoplitodromos. I can't even say that properly. But basically, that was an event where the runners will compete wearing armor and carrying a shield. These could weigh anywhere between 25 to 30 kilos. So you can imagine the type of people that would have entered this type of race would have been big, strong warriors like Spartan warriors and Athenian warriors at the time. How about the discus? Unlike today's discus event, athletes would compete to throw a stone or a metal discus as far as they could, but it was a much larger and flatter one that was that, that, that is used today, which weighed at least three times as much as what um, a discus wear, uh, weighs today. And javelins, they didn't have javelins back then. Back then it was spear throwing. 
So they would use the spears also used in, um, in war um, to throw uh, the javelin. Unbelievable. How about the long jump? The long jump was very different to the way that we know it today. The ancient long jump, um, there was no run up and the jumpers propelled themselves into the air by swinging weights called halteries under their arms. Can you believe that? So they would basically swing their arms while they're, uh, while they're getting ready to jump. So there was no run up. They'd basically use the weights in their arms to jump as far as they could. Now, go figure how far they could jump. Hey, here's another interesting one. Horse racing and chariot racing was massive in the ancient Olympic Games. These events took place on a race called a Hippodromos. There were no seats in this stadium and the spectators watched from the sides of the surrounding hills. The competitors raced around 12 laps of this track. The most dangerous parts of this track were the turning posts at either end because the riders wanted to get the best line for the corner. Now, if you watch um, uh, movies such as Ben-Hur and ancient Roman films and ancient Greek films as well that, uh, you know, included this style of sport you would know what that means by the end of the corner so it wasn't a rounded off corner it actually was like a bit of a, a pretty pretty sh like narrow type of um, circle so here in South Australia we have something called a devil's elbow which is a part of the road which pretty much goes quickly from a left to a right um, and it's a very sharp turn very very sharp turn so that's exactly what the racing tracks were like that now imagine trying to get a chariot around that corner at the same time as another 12 chariots around you are oh it was crazy however just so we mentioned that it was the owners of the horses that were considered the winners not the jockeys hey how about the wrestling and boxing like today's games the ancient olympics included lots of wrestling and boxing however back in the ancient days a lot more violent it got to the point where death was the winner so whoever killed their opponent was considered the champion whereas obviously we don't get to, we don't get to see blood much today um the toughest event in this category was called Bankration. This is something that I have studied a lot of, and I'm going to take a few moments here to discuss what Bankration is. This is a wrestling format with hardly any rules. The only things that competitors were not allowed to do was bite or poke people in the eye. Mike Tyson, sorry, this definitely is not your style because you would have bitten everyone's ear off by this stage and uh, you'd be disqualified. Majority of the wrestlers were killed in this uh, format. Obviously not the ones that won. Um, a combination of boxing and wrestling with barely any restrictions, the Pankration was the wild no-hold-bars center of ancient Olympic Games. It boasted huge men of incredible strength. It became a fountain of wondrous stories and stirring myths. Pankration was a magnificent simple sport. It is the ancestor and foundation of modern-day mixed martial arts, MMA, or UFC as we know it. You could pretty much do anything 
possibly uh, you could possibly imagine in order to incapacitate your opponent and the greeks thought that this was the coolest thing ever hey re idis eki idis evgale to kefali tou to teraxe po kitare therio as all sports the greeks believed a god or a hero to be responsible for inventing the rules and in this case pankration was down to theseus the mythical man that came up with a combination of wrestling and boxing to defeat the minotaur the half man half bull which was said to live in a labyrinth below the palace of the king of minos of crete in nosos no biting and no gouging as mentioned were um, just about the only restrictions in theseus's sport although the ever hardcore spartans allowed both of this in training in order to ready the warriors for war and yeah, the spartans always went uh, against the rules didn't they unlike boxing hands were left bare in pakration typically tall men favored punching as their go-to tool where stocky competitors were more likely to rest now me being tall and stocky i don't know i would have probably gone for the nether regions it it's always fun when you punch someone in the balls both types sought the <laughs> i know sorry a bit inappropriate both types sought the key move a stranglehold with one arm leaving the other free to repeatedly punch the unfortunate uh, opponent the first to fall was in trouble liable as he was uh, being disabled by the adversary who would then be free to implement the feared stranglehold there are however accounts of smaller more agile fighters tricking their rival by seeming to fall to the ground in stress in order to lure their opponents into a position whereby they could use their legs and arms to destabilize them before leaping off the floor and administering a bout winning blow tricky tricky little uh, little blokes eh we know that some people died and our guess is that there was a lot of nasty injuries but probably not a lot of um, but probably a lot of deaths because either you passed out or you surrendered or you died <laughs> crazy ah oh, jeepers the late tale of archeon in philia neatly expresses why for the greeks this was one of the most hotly anticipated events on the ancient olympic program caught in a terrible stranglehold archeon seized the foot of his opponent and with the last of his strength crushed it dislocating his ankle unable to bear the pain the unnamed man raised his index finger to signal signal submission at the very same moment arihion gasped his last breath he was posthumously awarded the victory because his rival had surrendered so in other words the winner died but was still given the award because the opponent had surrendered that's how important that's how important surrendering was in this format the greeks were willing to tolerate much higher levels of violence in sports than we are today this goes back in uh, in part to the issue that people who were athletes tended to be soldiers and vice versa so there was in some sense a habituation 
too violent. Well, you know what? Today's athletes are seriously a bunch of um, of pussycats compared to what sports was in the ancient times. Today, everyone's afraid of you know scratching themselves. You were expected to be ready to do that sort of thing on the battlefield, so there was less squeamishness about doing it during sports. Seven athletes won heavy com uh, combat doubles of wrestling and pankration at the same games, including, unfortunately, uh, the unfortunate Arikion that we just spoke about. Um, but Theogenes of Thassos is the ultimate symbol of brutal and wildly popular sport. Um, guys, what an, what an amazing, amazing uh, sport that was. I mean, obviously, you know, you think about this sport today and you cringe. You go, oh, yeah, why would I want to watch someone break someone's arm and stuff like that, you know? And you don't see that in today's um, fighting. I mean, in very unfortunate circumstances, will you see a match of UFC or MMA that someone breaks something or they won't surrender, you know, in, and before that? You don't see death. It's, it's just, it's not talked about these days. Back then, it was just, it was the highlight of the games. Hey, let's talk about another little topic about the Olympic Games, the ancient Olympic Games. And, and, and I guess this um, is a highly talked about point. The women at Olympia, at the Olympics. So the fun fact about the ancient games is that only men and boys and uh, were allowed to attend the Olympic Games. Women, especially the married women, were barred. If they were caught sneaking in, they would be thrown off the side of the mountain as punishment. Wow. Wow. So if you had a, uh, if you had a wife that you couldn't stand, go compete in the ancient Olympic Games. You should have competed in the ancient Olympic Games. And then what you should have done is said to the Yineka Ella Mazimu, come and support me. Watch me watch me fight or whatever. Let the authorities catch her. And then they throw her over the there you go. You'd be living off her life insurance for the rest of your life. I'm joking. Please don't take that as uh, as uh, Yeah. I would never do that. Oh jeepers. I'm off track now. Alright. <laughs> onto the topic women could still own horses though um, in the chariot races and the Olympics um, so the women were allowed to be owners of horses that competed in the games you know what that brings me to a good question were female horses allowed to compete in the games that's a very interesting one hey eh? um, now women though had their own festival at Olympia every four years. This was called the Herea, and it was in honor of Hera, Zeus's wife. Winners were awarded uh, crowns of sacred olive branches, same as the men, but in ancient Greece, only Spartan women were interested in sport. So there you go. So there was a separate type of Olympic Games just for the women. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, we all know that in the ancient Greek Olympic Games, the men competed naked. Not too sure about what the women did. And can't can't really find any uh, any notes or, or any uh, history on that. We might see if we can find a, a, a bit about that in a future episode. 
So let's talk about the spectators. The Olympic Games were a huge deal for the ancient Greeks. They drew spectators and attendees from all over the far-flung empire and were um, the the highlight of the social... The, the Games were the highlight of the social calendar. I'm telling you, these Olympic Games were huge. One of the things that made you Greek was playing sports and going to the Olympics. Most ancient cultures are geographically compact. If you think about the Egyptians, they always lived on a small stretch of the Nile. But the Greeks, they were very weird. They were wild in that form in an early period where they highly geographically dispersed. So that even by 600 BC, there were Greeks living in what we now know as France, Spain, Italy, Libya, Turkey, Russia. So a big question, they spent a lot of time worrying about what makes you Greek. That is the part of the reason they took the Olympics so seriously. It is a fundamental cultural marker for them. As a result, Greeks traveled from all over the Mediterranean basin to attend the games and reassert their identity. The numbers are staggering. We're talking about scholars that have estimated that perhaps more than 50,000 traveled to Olympia for a single games during the height of their popularity and in the second uh, which was around the 2nd century AD given that at no point there were more than 4 million Greeks all across that empire it is significant percentage the first task was to get Olympia it was to get to Olympia and for many, this involved a considerable journey across dangerous territory. Helpfully, though, as mentioned before, was the Olympic truce, where people could pass through lands without being stabbed or bashed or whatever in war. Once people had made it safely to Olympia, they understandably tended to stay the whole five days of the games. The place began, became a bustling bazaar, a bazaari, with friends, family and associates eating, drinking, gossiping and doing business together. With such a concentrated gathering of Greeks coming from all over what we now know as Europe, Olympia naturally became the place to be every four years. For example, Herodotus, the very famous Greek historian, went to Olympia and read some of his new history work, standing in the back porch of one of the temples. It was a, a grand show. Sport may have been the glue that held the games together, but religious activity was the very foundation. The central part of games, as mentioned, was the huge sacrifice to Zeus, the patron god. As mentioned earlier, the sacrifice came on the middle of the third day and it was aimed to coincide with the full moon. The people who ran the games the aliens arranged the sacrifice of a hundred cows. If it sounds like that it was one huge messy barbecue, it's because that's exactly what happened. Greeks didn't get to eat very much meat because it was not uh, it was so expensive back in the day. So the way Greek religion worked was that you sacrificed the animal, you burnt some on the altar, but you kept most of it for yourself and you barbecued it. A, a full reassured to their national identity and no doubt hatching a new business plan or two the spectators would have started their long journeys back home re, uh, rejuvenated for the following four years full of blood passion extraordinary feats 
of athletic endeavor, the Olympic Games were the sporting, social, and cultural highlight of ancient Greece for almost 12 centuries. It is hard for me to exaggerate how important the Olympic Games were. A classic example is when the Persians invaded Greece in the summer of 480 BC. A lot of Greek city-states agreed that they would put together an allied army, but they had a very hard time getting one together because so many people wanted to go to the Olympics. So they actually had to delay putting an army together to defend the country against the Vlameni Persians. Oh, the threat on the invasion or not, the games took place every four years from 776 BC to at least 393 AD. All free Greek males were allowed to take part from farmhands to royal heirs, although majority of these Olympians are or were soldiers. That's right, like we mentioned before. At their heart, the games were a religious festival and a good excuse for Greeks from all over the basin to gather for a riotous barbecue. On the, um, so for the first 250 plus years, all the action took place in the sanctuary of Olympia, situated in the northwestern Peloponnese or south, uh, southeast of, um, of Athens. Pockmarked by olive trees from which the victory wreaths were cut and featured an altar, it was hugely, it was a massive, huge, uh, sacred spot. The games lasted a full five days by the 5th century BC. At least, um, oh, at least, like we said, 50,000 spectators would have packed all these stadium, or there was only really one main stadium, um, and they were packed all day and all night um, at the height of the game's popularity. Oh, wow. What an amazing, amazing uh, time that would have been. I honestly love reading and researching about ancient Olympics and have always been fascinated, uh, just fascinated about them. There is still so much to talk about them, but really, guys, we're running out of time. I don't want to keep you on too long with this episode, just listening to me and my voice. I know you love it. You've missed me. I've been away for two weeks. You know what? Today uh, I'm recording this. Um, it's the 26th of uh, July, two days before St. Irene Christopher Landu's name day, my name day. I, at this time, would uh, literally today, I would have been flying out from Athens to the beautiful island of Rhodes had the coronavirus not hit us. But like we said in many other episodes, it wasn't meant to be. Guys, let's finish off with 10 favorite facts. This is my 10 favorite facts um, of, uh, of the Olympic Games, of the ancient Olympic Games. All athletes competed naked. Oh, can you imagine how much Lukanikol that is? Wrestlers and Bankration fighters com- uh, fought covered in oil surely they would use that oil to polish their boots right <laughs> corporal punishment awaited those guilty of a false start or cheating that was a, a lot of head bashings so i'll tell you what there were only two rules in bankration no biting and no gouging boxers were urged to avoid attacking on the uh the genitals 
στα αρχίδια τους. They did it anyway. I mean, one thing being urged not to do it, another thing being told not to do it, and another thing doing it. So, fatta. There was, there are no points, no time limits, no weight classifications in boxing, and no commenting um, for money. No competing, sorry, for money. Unlike today's athlete, today it's all about the money. There's no national pride anymore. It's all about what goes in the pocket. Back then, it was all about glory and pride. Athletes in the combat sports had to indicate their surrender by raising a fi- uh, their index finger. At times, they died before they could even do this. Boxers who could not separate um, could opt out for a climax. Now, guys, let me explain that. This is a system whereby one fighter was granted a free hit and then vice versa. A toss of a coin decided who went first. Yes, not the climax that you experience after some hot zina zimbozam. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. And um, what a. I love the ancient Olympic Games. I really wish I could talk more about them. But look, in previous episodes, we did discuss the Olympic flame, etc., and parts about gods and their connection to the games. So this is a little bit more elaboration about the games themselves. In the next episode, I'm going to talk, uh, take an opportunity to talk about another, um, a very passionate topic of mine, um, which is a very significant part of Greeks, of Greece, of Greek orthodoxy, or really of Christianity, um, and especially with all the recent events that have taken place um, with the biggest, most well-known cathedral of our faith. Hagia Sophia um, and its conversion back to a mosque or conversion to a mosque. Um, it will be a pretty sad episode, um, but I hopefully will make it quite um, interesting and fun for you all. As always, don't forget you can catch me Monday nights on Radio Doriforo with Gefi Live Radio. Um, just look it up on facebook.com forward slash Gefi Live Radio or forward slash DJ Valandi. Um, of course, you can even visit uh, www.doriforos.com.au or gefi.live. Um, I get to play all the new Greek beats and uh, love tracks and have a chat with you all on air. As always, this is Valandi and I will keep your Gefi streaming. This episode was brought to you by Just Dance Fitness with Martha great way to dance and get fit all at the same time enjoy it with all your friends four times a week classes are ten dollars you can find all your information and uh, dance requirements at justdancefitness.com.au or contact martha on 0412-231-756 just dance fitness with martha a Geffy live sponsor.